Hi, welcome to Living Water Bible Fellowship's audio sermons. It's our prayer and hope that you'll be encouraged and uplifted by the preaching of God's Word. Stick around after the message to hear more about how to contact us. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. May thy kingdom come. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Our Lord Jesus, we know that you, right at right hand of the Father, you reign, you rule. This is your world. Lord, we, we do pray that your kingdom would come, that we would see it, Lord. We, we look at the world around us and we see a lot of hurt, a lot of brokenness, a lot of sin, a lot of a lot of marriages, a lot of families that are struggling, a world in chaos oftentimes. Lord God Almighty, we thank you for your plan of redemption. We thank you that you're working our world to bring about your appointed ends. Lord God Almighty, we ask that you would use this church and the other churches of the San Luis Valley, the people of, of, of these churches that are worshiping you this morning, and you would use us to, as the song said, change the atmosphere. As the song said, Lord, we're, we're the hope on earth through you, through your power. We ask, Lord, that as you, as you come into this world as a missionary, Jesus, in a sense, that you would send us out as, as your people. Lord, I thank you during the week, Monday through Saturday, all the people in this church that are working for good, working to serve people, working to take care of people, working to help people bring a change in people's lives through their vocations and their jobs. Thank you for allowing us to minister in so many places in our community. Lord, we pray that you'd ramp that up. We, we pray that you would uh, fill us, Lord, anoint us, Lord, as, as the song was getting at. Give us your power and your grace to serve you and, and see our nation changed by the power of Jesus Christ and by the power of his gospel. God Almighty, as we open up the Word of God today and we talk about marriage, we ask that you would, again, give us power and energy and strength to, to step into the changes that you want us to, to see and, and make in our own lives. For singles, for, for divorce, for those who aren't married right now, for those who are married or are going to be married, we ask for you to speak, Lord, as you see fit. Lord God, change us. May, may we leave here today just a little bit changed, more like you, Jesus, and, and uh, walking more in your ways for your glory, for your fame, for your honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. Our text today is 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. 1 Peter chapter 3. Verses 1 through 7. Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives, when they see your respectful and pure conduct. Do not let your adorning be external the braiding of hair, the putting on of gold jewelry, or the clothing you wear. Let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. 
This is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by submitting to their own husbands. Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. You are her children if you do good. Do not fear anything that is frightening. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. May God bless the reading of His Word. So we started down this path several weeks ago in 1 Peter, a, a, a drum that Peter's beating rather uh, diligently and hard about submission. And uh, it started back in, in chapter 2, verse 13, where it said, Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution. And from there, a few weeks ago, if you remember, if you were here, we talked about submission to the government. That we as believers are to obey the government. We're to treat our governors and our presidents with respect, as it were. We are to obey. Uh, and we, if we don't obey the government, we better have a very good reason not to. Uh, it, and the idea behind that is that God has delegated authority to certain spheres, certain dominions in this world. And so by obeying what God has put in place, by listening to what God has put in place, we are actually honoring God and worshiping God. So he called us to obey the government, to submit to the government. And then last week, he talked. we went into the employee-employer relations. We talked about as employees, we are called to submit to our bosses, to the owners of the business, our, our managers. We're called to submit and obey even in those cases where our managers or our bosses are unfair or unjust or aren't righteous. And we do this because we're not serving those bosses, ultimately, are we? We're serving the Lord God. And so we, we obey, we treat, even if people aren't respectable, even if people aren't honorable, we treat people with respect and honor out of deference to our God who is honorable and who is respectable, who is worthy of worship. We come to probably the hardest lesson today in some people's minds, in some people's ears, the idea of, of serving one another in marriage, especially the first line there, the first verse about women being subject, wives being subject to your own husbands. We, we read that and we have all kinds of questions exploding in our minds. Of course we do. We live in this culture, this society that is so different than biblical, ethical, moral teachings. And so we come to this passage and, and we talk about marriage today. I want to first draw your attention to verses 1 and 7. Notice, notice that uh, at the beginning of both those verses, it, it says likewise. Some of your translations might say in the same way. So Peter, continuing this from, from where we saw in chapter 2, verse 13, through the government, through the, the, the servant-master relationship to the husband and wife relationship, likewise, likewise. Both husband and wife in this passage are called to certain responsibilities. Both husband and wife in these passages, such as this in Ephesians 5 and Colossians 3, the different places in the Scripture, both husbands and wives are called to certain responsibilities. I tell you that both husbands and wives, we are called to serve one another in the name of Jesus Christ. Let us start with verse 1 and dive into the... <laughs> The, the, the details. 
Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives. They see your respectful and pure conduct. Uh, the respectful and pure conduct, if you're taking notes, you can write down chapter 2, verses 11 and 12. The, again, another major heading is Peter is calling all of God's children, all of the men and women, all the people of this church and the other churches that are, are listening to this, we're called to live holy lives. We're called to live good lives and righteous lives to avoid sin, but to live God-honoring, uh, righteous lives in our behavior, in our actions. And so the respectable and pure conduct, it continues in that pathway. Holy lives, living lives of love, uh, living godly lives. But uh, it seems that some of the women that he is writing to, some of the believing Christian women, they've married non-Christian men. Okay, it, it, it doesn't, he doesn't give us an idea what the ratio is. It, it might be more, maybe he's just mostly talking to believing Christian women who are married to Christian men. In, in verse 1, it's so, it says, so that even if some of your, your men aren't Christians, um, he's talking about how to submit, how to uh, live in this marriage that God has created. Um, I have to say, just pastorally, uh, if you are not married yet or you hope to be married again someday, uh, do not let yourself become yoked with an unbeliever. In other words, if you're a Christian, do not marry a non-Christian. Uh, sometimes it works out, but oftentimes it's a very difficult thing because really what you have is two different gods, ultimately. You as a believer are worshiping the Lord God, the, the Trinity, and that unbeliever is probably worshiping some other god, whether it be materialism, hedonism, uh, the, the job, gold and silver, <laughs> you know, uh, uh, accomplishment, achievement, sports, whatever. If you have two different gods that you're worshiping, you're going to clash sooner or later. That's why the scripture calls us to be equally yoked as husband and wife, both believers. So I throw that out to you. If you're dating right now, if you're thinking of, of dating or entering in a relationship, make sure that you are going to marry a believer. Save yourself a lot of grief and difficulty in the future. Okay? But Peter has this, this, uh, this, this call to, to submit and, and again, I, I, before we, we get all our, our questions going, I want to tell you in verse 7, he calls the, the men to submit as well in their own way, to be servants in their own way. So the Christian, the Christian marriage is, is both parties are called to submit, both parties are called to surrender in their own ways, to serve one another. And we'll get into that a little bit more. But Peter says, your conduct, your godly conduct, your holy conduct by the way you live, can change your family, can change your marriage. And, and at first you read that, like he says that, he says that your unbelieving husband can be won over without a word. And, and that's, okay, stepping back from that, that's a little bit intimidating in some ways. It means my behavior matters. The way I act in a marriage, the way I, I, I live in a marriage People are always watching. The same way at the workplace, same way at, at you know, whatever event or, or ever uh, venue you're in, with government or, or whatever you know, sphere uh, in the world, people are watching. And so uh, we can preach a lot, we can talk a lot, uh, a, a lot of God talk, we can, we can say a lot of the right things, but our behavior really, it really matters and it's powerful. And I, I'd say that before you, know, uh, you parents who have brought your kids today, 
you can say a lot to your kids, especially on Sundays, but they are watching you through the week, constantly watching you to see how you're living. And they know whether your words match up with your behavior. Okay? If that's out of whack, they're going to know it. Okay? So how you live matters before your children, before the people in your workplace, before your spouse. Because you can say a lot of things, but if it doesn't line up with your behavior, uh, people are going to notice. And so what what I'm seeing here, Peter's saying your behavior, your your respectable and pure conduct, it's powerful. can be one without a word. And so he's giving evangelism advice. You know, your, your conduct, the way you live, submitting to your husband, honoring your husband, respecting your husband, these things go a long way. And, and let me give you an example. Uh, there was a, a, a rich German businessman. Uh, he, uh, he, had, he had pretty much everything he wanted, but every night he'd go to the bar. Uh, he, he had a believing wife. He had a, a woman who trusted in Jesus that, that uh, gave her life to Jesus at some point. Uh, but every night he'd go to the tavern, he'd hang out with the guys. He was a heavy drinker. Uh, but because he was wealthy, they, they had servants in the house, so every night she would set, send the servants to bed early or send them home early, and you know, she'd wait up for her husband. And when he'd come, she would greet him at the door. She would never scold him, never condemn him, never, never make a big deal, nag him, or, or you know, put him down. Or he, she'd welcome him in. She'd treat him kindly. Sometimes, of course, he was so inebriated, she'd have to help him undress and get into bed, but she, she did it regularly. She treated him kindly instead of condemning him. Uh, one night at the bar, he was bragging to his friends about his control over his wife. He said, you know, I bet if, if I took you guys home right now, um, I, I bet she'd welcome us uh, with a royal welcome at the door. And I bet if I asked her to cook us supper, she'd, she'd cook us all supper. And they're like, nah, that, that doesn't happen. And yeah, I, yeah, so he's bragging on his wife. And so after a while... You know, their they're, they're drinking is up and, and it's time to go. And so, so they follow him home. And sure enough, she opens the door and she welcomes the whole group in kindly. She doesn't uh, give a hint of resentment as she makes supper. She serves them. And then as soon as they're served, she departs to her room. And the guys are eating in silence. And one guy finally speaks up and he starts to condemn the husband. What kind of a man are you? They would treat such a good woman so miserably. He left his supper and he walked out. And then the second guy said pretty much the same thing. What kind of a man are you that could treat someone like this? And the third guy rose and walked out until the whole crew was out of there. In about a half hour's time, he became convicted of his sins. He he became very convicted about his hard-heartedness towards his wife, He went up to her room. He asked her to pray for him. He repented of his sins. And he surrendered his life to Jesus Christ. He became a devoted follower of Jesus. Not that he was ever perfect. None of us are. But he became a devoted follower of Jesus Christ. His life was changed without a word. There is great power in how we act towards one another in a marriage. There is is great power shaping power and molding power in how we treat one another in marriage. Our behaviors and our actions matters. Uh, 
This, this, uh, this call to submission, this, this kindness, this love, this nurturing, this caring, this, this obedience. The world scoffs at it. The world thinks it's a joke. The world thinks it's a misogynist kind of a way of living. But it's God's plan. How do you have a healthy marriage? How do you have a righteous marriage? Both people become servants. Both people give their life away following Jesus Christ. And so this, uh, this call to submission, it, it, I, I hope women, you're not hearing it's a, it's a threatening thing or it's a, uh, a terrible thing because it's not. In a Christian marriage, it's a beautiful thing and a uplifting, building act and behavior. We'll talk about the man's role in a minute. <clears throat> Verse 3, uh, we, we come to this and, and it seems like Peter is, is digressing or he's, he's taking a turn, but really he, he's raised the issue, how do, you, how do you please your husband? How do you walk in a deep and intimate relationship with your husband? And verse 3 goes into um, the world's way of, of achieving that. He says, do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair, the putting on of gold jewelry, or the clothing you wear. Now, right off the bat, I don't want us to hear this in a legalistic way. It's okay to get dressed up. It's okay to do different hairstyles. It's okay to have jewelry. It's okay to wear clothes. <laughs> it's okay to have fine clothes. But notice what he's talking about here. Culture comes and goes. Society, beauty standards change. All kinds of things change over time. Hairstyles, the shoes you wear, the, the hats you wear, all kinds of things like that, they change over time. But over, over time, over history... Um, sometimes we get wrapped up in our external you know, appearance. Makeup and, and uh, clothing and, and whatever, slacks or pants or dresses or whatever. You know, cultures change. And, and... But you know, once you get married, that, that beauty side of things, it's not as important as it once was. The, the external things. He says, don't, let, don't get caught up in adorning yourself with the externals, what really matters in a marriage, both husband and wife, is what's on the inside. What's on the interior. Really, when a husband looks for a wife, when a husband looks for somebody that he's going to spend his life with, who's going to be his best friend, who's going to be his partner, of course, initially, there's an attractiveness going on, but what really matters over time is what kind of person she is. Peter's saying, build up that inner person, build up your character, build up... You know, it's, it's the con content of your character. It's the, the inner beauty that, that matters. I mean, you, you're, you're in life together. You're doing business together. You're raising kids together. You're going through storms together. You need to be intimate allies. And, and what really counts in the hard times, what really counts through the thick and thin is, is what's inside of somebody. That's what Peter says is really beautiful. That's what God says is beautiful. Not how you look on the outside. <laughs> so we don't, again, on one side, we don't want to get legalistic and say you can't have braided hair, you can't have gold jewelry. You know, those things change over time. But they're all secondary. But on the other, the other side of things, you know, modesty matters. And how you carry yourself matters. Um, I think what Peter's getting at is, is we, could, we could draw attention to ourselves by our beauty and hope that someone loves us more because of our beauty or our, you know, our, our manliness or, or whatever. We could hope that there's an external thing that's happening that, 
man, I'm going to be loved and cared for. And he's going, no, that's not where it's at. It's, it's who you are inside in Jesus Christ that matters. Don't let the world... And, and young women in this room, I'm so sorry that you've had to grow up in a culture that has made the supermodel kind of the, the goal of, of life and something that's impossible to measure up to, something that's possible to live by. And I'm sorry that, that you know, it's been such a hard thing on you in this culture, but, but, but no God is looking at your heart. And, and, and the moral character that you have, the, 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 the obedience to God, that quiet and gentle spirit, um, that's beautiful. And so young men, or, or men that are looking to be married, I, I, I challenge you to not be the stereotypical man in this culture. Uh, there's a lot of uh, beautiful women in our church that if you just opened your eyes to see, you would have a partner that is priceless. There's a lot of, of young women in our church that are looking to be married and they're having a hard time finding men of character. If you're a young man watching this or you're a young man that's, uh, that's here today, don't be that cultural man who just looks at the externals or lives for that. Like the woman that's being called here to be Christ-like, you become a man of character. You become a man that is beautiful in God's sight on the inside. I do have to say something about this gentle and quiet spirit. Uh, some of the women here might say, I'm not very gentle and I'm not very quiet. <laughs> and, and, and that's okay. God has, maybe has made you loud. Maybe God has made you boisterous and that's okay. It's not saying here you have to become an introvert, okay? That's not, that's not the point. You just have to be introvert and be meek all the time. Meekness is beautiful. Jesus was meek, but that, that's not what it's getting at. It's, it's getting at don't become that cantankerous person that's always demanding your own rights. Don't become that cantankerous kind of mean-spirited person that's always grasping and wanting and demanding I deserve this. I deserve that. You owe me this. You owe me that. This nagging kind of a, a, of a self-centered me, me, me lifestyle. God loves that gentle and quiet spirit that trusts, that respects, that just believes that God's going to take care of them. And a husband loves that gentle and quiet spirit that, that he sees in his wife that she trusts him. She respects him. She's giving herself to him for him to lead and to guide because she knows he would die for her. So, yeah, don't, if you're loud, keep being loud. <laughs> God wired you that way and, and your, your, your husband's going to love you for it. <clears throat> for this is how the holy women who hoped in God to adorn themselves by submitting to their own husbands as Sarah obeyed Abram, calling him Lord. Now there's a place in eight, uh, 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 Genesis 18 where, he's, where she's thinking, you know, my Lord, I don't know if she said it out loud, but what, what, what he's getting at there is that there's this lifestyle of a trusting relationship, this, this kindness, this generosity relationship that the woman gives to this, the man where, where she's respectful and, and, and she, she wants to honor him and, and uh, be a partner, be that friend, be that helpmate, that, that helper. 
that goes on for a lifetime. In, in, in Sarah, if you read her story, Sarai, you know, and then Sarah, some of the things that Abraham took her through, they were rather remarkable. <laughs> she was a godly woman. And you see what her husband took her through. But she continued through a lifetime of, of trusting and respecting and honoring. And it's a beautiful thing, you guys, when that happens. And, and what, what he talks about there about you being a daughter, when you live that way, when you submit to your husband, when you obey your husband, in, in the best sense of the terms, when you live that, that, that kindness and that generosity in, in saying, saying, yeah, I'm, I'm with this guy through thick and thin. I'm going to trust him. I'm going to respect him because um, he loves me and he gave my life, his life away for me. Uh, that, that's a beautiful thing that, that, that God is saying there. And the idea there at the end, if you're wondering, if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening, you know, obviously for a woman to submit herself to a man, it can be a frightening thing because, you know, sometimes we're idiots. You're supposed to laugh at that. <laughs> I know it's not true, but you could have laughed. No, no, it is true. Sometimes we do make mistakes. Sometimes we do run down a path that isn't, isn't the best for our family. But there is this responsibility that God has given to the man. God has given to the man the responsibility to lead his family. The responsibility uh, of, of being the, the, defi- the final decision maker. Okay? Some, some women are still uh, desperately waiting for their husband to arrive in that area. You know, husbands sometimes are very fearful of taking the lead. Sometimes husbands are very fearful of stepping into the authoritative role that God has given them. But we as husbands, we've got to remember that God placed this role in our life. God gave us this responsibility to lead our family. Okay, the, the, your wife has a different role. Um, so the, the end of verse 6 there, uh, God is saying, yeah, it, it's hard to let go of control. It's hard to trust your husband sometimes. Sometimes it's frightening because we know he's just, uh, just a man and, and sometimes he doesn't have all the information. Sometimes he, he uh, shoots from the hip, etc., etc. But trust him. Respect him. Honor him. And, and see what happens in your life. So let's move on to the man, verse 7. Likewise, and that's very important. Peter's talking to both. He's, he's been in this pattern of calling for submission to authorities. Submission, submission, submission. And he says, likewise to the man. There is a sense of the, for, for a healthy marriage, a biblical marriage, a godly marriage, that the man has to surrender himself to that relationship. The man has to surrender himself, submit in that relationship if the, if the marriage is going to be healthy. Let me explain. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. So what we have there at the end is a warning. Guys, if you mess this up, if if you're not treating your wife in an honorable way, if you're not treating your wife in an understanding way, uh, God's going to discipline you. Your prayers are going to be hindered. God is not going to hear your prayers. Now, what, what does that mean? Sin always separates. Sin always breaks relationship. And so you have a high calling, men, to serve your wife. You have a high calling to, to treat your wife with honor, with respect, and with dignity. You have a high calling to understand your wife. Let's, let's unpack what that means a little bit. <clears throat> Uh, it says, live with your wives in an understanding way. 
Man, sometimes guys, they're such hard chargers. They're, they're getting, getting it done. They're, they're moving into business. They've got to go to work things. They, they don't give very many thoughts to their wives. Or they don't give much thought to saying, I wonder what my wife thinks of this. Or, or I wonder how she's processing this. A lot of times guys don't take the time to understand their wives, where their wives are coming from. They don't stop and say, I wonder what she's feeling here. I, I wonder as we make this decision, I wonder how she's processing these relationships or how she's thinking through this situation. A lot of guys never ask the question. They're never in dialogue with their wife. They're never in unity with their wife. They're, they're, they're never taking the time to say, we're in this together. We're partners. We're intimate allies facing these problems and these issues. I want your feedback. I want, I want you to tell me how, how you're dealing with this. How do you see it? Man, you're probably more intuitive than I am. Tell me what you're feeling. Tell me what you're thinking. You know, in a marriage, a guy would have to be a fool not to talk to his wife about big decisions. A guy would have to be an ignoramus to not consult his wife, to live with her in an understanding way. You realize that she might have feelings that are different than yours. She might see the situation completely different than you do. She might bring some learned wisdom to the table that God has blessed you with. You realize that God has made you husband and wife because, husband, you were lacking some things? You were made in the image of God. She was made in the image of God. She was made in the image of the God in such a way she reflects God in ways you don't. You were made in the image of God, the likeness of God. You were made in ways in, in the reflect God in ways that she wasn't. But God has brought you together for the common good. God has made you one. And together you're so much more impactful in the world. Together, using her wisdom, her understanding, her strengths that she brings to the table. Man, you'd be a fool, husbands, not to take that into consideration. But the emphasis here is on, have you talked to your wife? When you make those decisions, have you considered her background, her pains, her sufferings? Have you considered how she's looking at this? Just a simple example. We had some people over Friday night and Elizabeth brought up kind of our history. Uh, she grew up in Oregon. She lived in Oregon her whole life. She was used to the green, the, the claustrophobic nature of being in the, in the Douglas firs, you know, uh, uh, her whole life. And then uh, I, I went down the road of applying for a seminary out in, in South Dakota. And I, yeah, and she supported me in that. She was behind me all the way. But I never stopped to think and ask her, like, how is this move going to affect you? How, how is this transition going to make you feel or how are you going to get through this you know I was just like yeah we're doing this let's go for it kind of deal but uh, there was a time when we got east of the Black Hills and I, and I looked over in the U-Haul and she's crying and I was like what's going on and she just let it all out things that I should have realized long before she supported me. She, she was behind me all the way. But there was a lot of loss in her life that I was unaware of because I didn't take the time to ask or live with my, life, my wife in an understanding way. What this is getting at, guys, is that uh, we are called to be partners with our wife. She's our best friend. 
Live with her in such a way that you are making much of her. She's not an add-on. She's your better half. God gave her to you to bless you. And you're a fool to ignore her thoughts and her opinions and her feelings. Likewise, husband, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman. Okay, we all know what honor is, right? We see people honored all the time. So-and-so, you know, got the project done. So-and-so, you know, finished top in their class. Let's honor them. Let's, let's applaud them. Let's make much of them. We all know what that means, but guys, do we do that? God is saying, honor your wives. Don't run them over. Don't treat, treat them as a second-class citizen. Some people use the term, and I haven't got there yet, Treat your wife as a queen in the sense of honor her. And, and, and you've got to do that in your own way, but part of that is, is in public, do you talk about your wife in respectful ways? Do you treat her uh, as, like I said, your better half? Do you build her up for the things she does? Before the kids, do you talk about your wife uh, in a meaningful way? Like, did you see what your mom did? Did you see what she cooked? Did you see how? She worked all day and then she came home and she's an awesome mother, isn't she? She's an awesome wife. I mean, sometimes we get so busy, we get so, you know, in patterns of living that we forget some of these things. But God says, honor your spouse, honor your wife, lift her up. And it's not just public words, it's behind the scenes when no one else sees. Uh, are, are you showing respect to your wife and honor, honoring your wife by what you do behind the scenes? Like some of those things, like actually like not tracking across the floor in your dirty boots. That could be an honoring thing to your wife if you actually stop and pause and say, oh, she doesn't appreciate that. I'm going to respect her by doing something different here. Those things, your life is different than mine, your home is different than mine, but are you showing honor to your spouse? And again, in the, back, the background, remember your kids are watching. The children that you have in your home, they're seeing how you're treating your wife. And I guarantee you, that's their frame of reference. That, that's how they look at life. And so if they see dad honoring mom, how are they going to treat their spouse when they grow up? If they see dad dishonoring mom, treating mom like trash, uh, using and abusing mom, how are they going to treat their future spouse? Probably the learned behavior, what they saw from their parents. This is a generational thing, folks. This is leaving a legacy thing. The generations are impacted by how we live in marriage. We've got to do it right. God calls men and women to serve one another in love. Remember Ephesians 5, 1, you know, and, and 2? We're to imitate the Lord Jesus Christ. And what did the Lord Jesus Christ do? He gave his life away. And so the best marriages are where both people are saying, I'm going to serve. I'm going to bless. The world says, live for self. The world says, make it all about you. The world says, demand your rights. But in Jesus Christ, in Christian marriage, we're called to give ourselves away. 
the, uh, the world oftentimes has, and different authors have different ways of describing it. Some describe it as diva marriage. Some describe it as my spouse will complete me marriage. Uh, some say it's a me marriage, the, the worldly marriages that fall apart. Sometimes we see them in the church, uh, and it's, it's rather obvious to see it sometimes. But the me marriage comes to the table like, what are you going to do for me? The me marriage, the, the me, me dating says, man, this guy, he could fulfill me. Man, this gal, man, she's going to love me all the time. She's going to meet my needs. She's going to take care of me. She's, she's going to fill me up. She's going to make me happy all the time. She's going to bless me all the time. You know, sometimes you see on, on, on social media, just some of the, 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 the ooh, man, she's, she's going to take care of me my whole life and bless me my whole life. And man, everything's going to be good my whole life because I married her. And, and you've made her or him into an idol. That you, you've made this idol that actually you want that person to worship you. You realize that setting those expectations in me marriage, that, that the husband has to fulfill all these needs in me, Realize your husband's not a God. And to set him up for those expectations, like she has to do all these things, she has to meet all my needs, she has to take care of all my, she has to love me all the time. What if she doesn't? And that gets back to some of the externals. If you're marrying someone just for their looks or how attractive they are, you're going to be very disappointed sooner or later. There's so much to that. The me marriage, it, you know, she's going to fulfill me. He's going to fulfill me. He's going he's to make me safe all the time. He's going to make me feel satisfied all the time. No, he's not. Do you realize that the person you're married is almost as selfish and self-centered as you? Do you realize in me marriage that if you're looking for that grasping, got to take care of me, got to meet my needs, that person is probably think, thinking the same thing. And when you don't give, when you don't, you know, love them all the time, when you're not happy, 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 joy, joy all the time towards that person, they're disappointed. The Christian marriage starts off with a different emphasis. Husbands and wives, we decide before we're married that we're going to live a life of servanthood. Husband and wives, we decide before we're married, hopefully you have good premarital counseling, hopefully you have someone speaking in your life that says to you, do you realize when you, when you get married, when you say, I do, you're surrendering your life for the betterment of the other. Jesus Christ gave his life for your betterment. And realize, God in his sovereignty and his providence, he's brought you together with a person where <clears throat> you're called to make that spouse better over time. Remember in Ephesians chapter 5, you can go home and read that passage, the, the husband is supposed to wash her and clean her, make her holy. My wife should be better off now than she was when I married her because of my influence in her life, because God has called me to be a servant. Your spouse should be better off living with you than what they were beforehand because you've poured yourself into that person. You've sought to make that person better. You've served that person. You've blessed that person in Jesus' name. God has given you that person as a ministry. Your first disciple is in the home, helping that person grow up in Jesus Christ. And that takes sacrifice, that takes time, that takes listening, that takes giving. The best marriages are when two people come together with a servanthood heart, a servanthood attitude, a surrendered life, not a selfish, self-centered, grasping life.
But you realize if you enter marriage with somebody that has that same attitude as you, you realize how beautiful that can become, like an upward spiral. He gives, she gives, he gives, she gives, he gives, she gives. They're blessing each other. And again, the kids are seeing this. And again, the generations are seeing this. And again, your, your, your marriage is a witness. You realize one of the, best, the, the biggest analogies in Scripture to glorify God, to explain Jesus and the church is marriage. God wants marriage to be done right because it's a witness to His glory. It shows the bride of Christ, the church, and the bridegroom in their relationship, the giving, love, sacrifice. Our marriages, if we live that way, can be a testimony to the grace of God in the, in the gospel of Jesus Christ. But man, I said it several times before in this pulpit. I've seen it again and again. People enter marriage and they think that that person owes them something and that person is there to meet their needs and they both do that. It becomes this downward spiral. Take, take, take. Take, take, take. You owe me this. You, my rights are this. My rights are this. You've got to give me that. And there's, there's, there, there's this crash and this burn and this terrible brokenness that results. <clears throat> God's Word calls us to live as people of Jesus Christ. He's called us to submit to one another in love. He's called us to serve one another in love. The man maybe has some different roles than the woman does. The woman has some different roles in marriage that, that the man does. But you see the divine pattern. Society keeps changing. Culture keeps changing. Culture keeps saying this or that. But God's divine plan does not change. The Word of God does not change. It's for our blessing. It's for God's grace is so great. He's given us this instruction so that we would be blessed. So that He would be glorified. Now, church, I ask you, husbands and wives, I, I, I ask you as you go home today, sometime today, tonight, maybe tomorrow, go home and talk about this. Go home and share your, your feelings and go home and share what your per perception is. Um, you know, am I, am I serving you? Or has there been ways I've been selfish? Do you feel like I'm submitting to you in love? Do you feel like I'm honoring you as a husband? I dare you to have those conversations. But do so in love with the idea of building your marriage up, building your relationship up. And you, you who are single yet, and, or maybe are single again, and you're looking to be married again, uh, maybe, maybe some of you can get together today and have lunch together, and you can, you can dialogue about some of the things we've talked about today. What is a healthy marriage? And, and maybe share your experiences, the, the home that you saw, the, the parents you saw, the relationships you saw, and, and maybe talk about some of the characteristics that are beautiful in your sight, that are godly in your sight. And maybe, maybe together you can, uh, you can hold each other accountable to look for that kind of a man or that kind of a woman. But brothers and sisters, we are called to represent Jesus Christ in all arenas, whether it be the, the governmental arena where the government gives commands, whether it be in the employee-employer relationship, whether it be in marriage. Let us honor God by walking in His ways serving one another in love. Would you stand in the Lord's presence? <clears throat> Lord God Almighty, we, uh, 
we thank you for your incredible uh, care of us, that you would give us such uh, instructions. You didn't leave us to figure out marriage by ourselves or just come up with our own game plan. You gave us guidelines and boundaries, teachings and truths. Lord God, uh, give us the grace as men, men and women to respect one another and honor one another, to defer to one another, to support one another, to be our, our, uh, our partner's best friend. Give us the grace that we need to be your worshipers, Lord. Again, as, as we seek to evangelize our homes and bring the gospel into our homes, we ask that uh, we could also take the gospel to the world outside. We do pray for the other churches of the San Luis Valley this morning. We pray that our brothers and sisters in Christ and the other, other churches we bless, that you'd bless the other churches of the valley, that all the churches will be full of people, uh, of your worshipers. But we ask, Lord, for the grace to be uh, your evangelist and your servants in this world that, uh, that you've sent us on mission to reach. Lord, give us the grace and the power to serve people this week, to love people, to help people, and to share the gospel this week, uh, especially with our words, but also with our actions. Lord, send us out now to our homes and to our businesses and to our, our schools, and may you be glorified through a people that have been changed by the grace of God. May we be a people that show Jesus Christ wherever we go. In your name we pray. Amen. Go in God's grace and peace. Thank you so much for listening. The gospel according to the Bible is that Jesus Christ, who was and is the eternal God, took on human flesh, was born of a virgin, died for our sins on the cross, and rose from the dead three days later. He then ascended to the Father's right hand, where he sits making intercession for his people, and right now he is establishing the kingdom of God on earth. You can enter into a saving relationship with God by repenting of your sins and placing your full trust in Jesus' life, his death and resurrection on your behalf. In Christ you will find forgiveness, acceptance, freedom, peace, hope, and a future. If you would like more information about Christianity or Living Water Bible Fellowship, visit our website at livingwateralamosa.org. God bless.